0: So this morning we're actually going to be finishing up our, our the word series. We're in week four of our word series. I've been enjoying bringing this to you um, as we've kind of looked at God's word and how God's word says about itself and kind of some of the metaphors that God kind of has given us about his word to help us understand his word a little bit deeper. The hope today is we kind of kind of put a bow around the whole series. And I'm very excited about sharing this one in particular because of the nature of it and and, and, and what God has laid on my heart. And so but over the last couple of weeks we've kind of looked at God's word first as, as a lamp. We looked at it as a lamp that kind of guides us and helps us lead us and things of that nature week two we talked about God's word being a mirror and how it kind of shows us things and and helps reveal some things about our hearts and about our lives. Last week we talked about the concept of God's word being a seed. We talked about the parable of the sower and the soil and and that God's word is that seed that comes and how we need to make sure our hearts and and the soil in our hearts are ready to receive those things and and that it's not necessarily God's word that's the issue. It's our hearts that a lot of times is the issue that keeps us from really accepting what God has for us to do or or what God has for us to understand about Him and, and all those things. And today we're gonna actually be looking at God's word as bread as bread. But before we really get into that, I want to kind of lay some groundwork. And even before that, I want to help us remember we've done this every week. We're going to finish it off as we kind of talked about God's Word and how we see God's Word and how I see God's Word. I want you to understand these things so that you understand kind of that we can trust God's Word, that God's Word is trustworthy, that in a lot of ways it is an anchor that we can hold on to in our world today that's so tossed and turned in so many different ways. We've talked about it the last three weeks weeks. Again, it's in your notes, but the Bible is God's word to us. We believe it was recorded by human authors under the supernatural direction of the Holy Spirit. That means, I had somebody ask me that earlier, what does that exactly mean? It's simple. It means that man wrote down the words, but God told the men what to write, if that makes sense, okay? So under the the supernatural direction of the Holy Spirit, they wrote these things down. We believe it is the supreme source of truth and our rule of faith and conduct. And because it is inspired by God, it is truth without any mixture of error. When we started this, I told you, I said, look, some of you, that's a very strong statement in a world that quite honestly is kind of wishy-washy on a lot of things. And I said, you know, there may, not be, there may be some of you that, that maybe you don't agree with all of that right now. And I said, man, we're going to go on this journey. And I hope that as we kind of bring this all to a close, that you can say, among other things in this series, that you believe more and more strongly than you ever have that God's word is truth, that it is our rule and and, and supreme source of truth and conduct, that you believe that God, it is God's word to us. Because listen, I don't know about you, but I look around in our world today and I don't see a lot of things that we can stand on. I don't see a lot of things that we can hold on to, especially in our world where it seems like one day one thing is this way, another day one thing is that way. But God's word is something that we can hold on to because it is truth. And we can use it to guide us and lead us and, and reveal things about our hearts. But also we can look at it as the bread that God wants to share with us. But before we get into that, before we really dive in, let's, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We do thank you. And God, as, I, as you have put these words in my heart, and I, God, I pray that those words would come out, that mine would cease and that yours would begin. Father, because my words, they're not going to do anything. But your words, they change everything. And so, God, that's what we desire. Help us as we look at these things together. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So to really understand what I want to get through, and here's the deal. I'm just, you know, if you don't know this yet, just you're going to know. I just kind of tell you how it is. Um, I've been fretting, and I shouldn't, I know. But I've been fretting about this message for all week. and and here's why i I believe that god has something very powerful to communicate to us this morning and i'm scared to death i'm going to mess it up so i'm going to try really hard to allow god to share with you what he wants to share with you this morning and so i just ask for your patience and your understanding Because I want to take us kind of on this journey together. This may sound a little bit different than maybe what I've done. Maybe you're going to go, no, this is very normal. And I'm just the weirdo that doesn't know that, you know, which is highly possible. But as we look at these things together, this is going to be a little bit different than the the messages that we've shared in this series before. But I do want to kind of, I do think this is how God wants to kind of bring this all to a close for us in this, this message or in this series. And so we're going to actually start in John 1. And and John, one one. Starts in, 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 John begins his gospel in a very intimate way, a very interesting way. If you don't know this, John is a lot different than the other gospels. We call Matthew, Mark, and Luke the synoptic gospels. They're very similar in structure and they're very similar in how they're written. A lot of the stories are very similar and they tell the same stories. John's a little bit different. John, John has a kind of a different relationship with Jesus. Not better or worse than Matthew or Peter or, 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 or you know, anybody else. But, but in a way that he, he kind of sees things differently. He kind of comes at it a different way. And John begins his gospel in a very powerful way, and that's where we're going to start this morning as we understand exactly how, how God is leading us. So if you have your Bibles, or it's going to be up on the screen, or if you have your, uh, your, your phone or whatever, we're going to start in John 1, 1 through 4. So this, is, this is what he starts his gospel. It says, in the beginning was the, the Word. And notice, obviously, the Word here is capitalized. Okay, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So obviously as John begins his gospel here, he's speaking of Jesus. Jesus is the Word. And it's interesting that as, you know, I have I, I kind of wondered, has anybody thought, you know, we named the series The Word. Has anybody wondered when we were going to get to John 1, 1, and 1 through 4? Because in that we see John calling Jesus The Word. And here's the thing, here's the thing. As we've looked at this series, as we've understood these things... What what we've talked about when we've talked about the Word or the written Word of God, you could take and use when we talk about the physical Word of God or the spiritual Word of God, which is Jesus. So when I say, listen, the Word is a lamp to your feet. Jesus wants to be the same in your heart and life and can be. Jesus can reveal things as well, just like the Word can. So in this whole series, I don't know if you've noticed this, but everything that we've shared about the Word can also be shared about the word and this morning what we're going to really begin to focus in on is the word as in Jesus because here's what I truly believe it's in your notes you need a relationship with Jesus the living word of God and you need a relationship with the Bible the written word of God too many of us think that we can kind of have one without the other well I really like Jesus and so I'm going to come over here and I'm going to spend all my time with Jesus but not the word And some of us want to come over here and spend all the time with the Word... ...but not have a relationship with Jesus. All of these things are supposed to work hand in hand... ...and work to uh, help us to understand a deeper understanding of who Jesus is... ...but also what Jesus is like and how we can be more like Him. So the Word and the Word are to work together. This morning as we look at this... ...we're going to understand that Jesus obviously understood this... ...and He takes it one step further. And we're going to look at that this morning. But again... But today we're going to be looking at this idea of Jesus and the Word being bred to us. So let's, let's look together in John chapter 6. This is going to be our text for this morning. It's going to be a little bit longer, but before we go, jump in there, and it's up on the screen, which is fine. But before we jump in there, let me tell you a little bit of the context of what has happened so you understand... Why Jesus responds the way he does in this moment, okay? In John 6, basically Jesus has just performed an unbelievable miracle. He's fed basically over 5,000 people with just a a little bit of food, okay? So obviously this is a very big miracle. A lot of us know about this miracle. So Jesus does that. Jesus basically, all these people are coming and he, he basically takes a little bit. He prays, he breaks and food is just everywhere and it's just amazing, amazing miracle. After that miracle takes place in early John 6, Jesus and his disciples basically decide to go to uh, the other side of the lake. Jesus sends his disciples on before him. And this is the story where Jesus basically, a storm comes up, and Jesus walks on the water. Okay, So these are some two massively major things that have taken place in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Now, the people that are fed... They begin to look for Jesus. They want to find out where he is. Now, of course, he's not where he was. He's traveled um, in a very spectacular way, of course, across the lake. So they discover that. And they go to find Jesus. And they do find him. That's where we're going to pick up our story this morning. And I wanted you to understand the context of what has taken place. So now, let's go ahead and bring it up. John 6... Starting with verse 25, and we're going to read to 35 to understand exactly what's going on. So here it is. Jesus replied. The people have found him now. And they basically said, hey, good to see you. What's going on? Jesus replies and says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Now, we're going to break this down a little bit as we go. So basically what Jesus is saying is here, you have been looking for me for a very interesting reason. You have been looking for me, because I fed you okay now remember these people are the people that just got fed for free you know you ever heard the, the saying there's no such thing as a free lunch okay these people are going actually that was a free lunch and I want another so Jesus says listen you're looking for me because I fed you physically but look what he does he got you he turns it he says but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of approval. Let's continue. Then they replied, What we, we want to do, we want to perform God's works too. So, so, so what do we do? Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. This is big. This is the only thing that he says I want from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Now, that should have ended it right there. But they continue. They answer. Well, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, we're going to be... Just a minute. We're going to kind of, but, but hold on to this concept of manna and bread from heaven because we're going to go back to it in a little bit more depth. But basically, what the people are saying is look, look, if you want us to believe in you, do something amazing. Now, let's stop for just a second here and let's talk about the stupidity of humanity. <laughs> That's one of my favorite topics. Talk about me all the time, you know? They, we don't know how many people Jesus fed 5,000 men. So who knows how many were fed. It's very easy to say, well, if there was 5,000 men, there were probably at least 5,000 women, roughly. And then they had kids. I mean, you're talking 12,000, maybe 15,000 people, maybe more. With just a little bit of food. And that, ha- you ready for the stupidity? That happened less than 24 hours ago. And what do they say? Jesus says, you want to do what God wants you to do? Believe in me. And they say, oh, you know, we would, but what can you do? What can you do? What you want? You want him to feed you with nothing? Would that be more impressive? What do you? he says, well, you know, and then they give us an interesting example. They give an interesting example that we're going to really look at today. They say, well, you know, if you were really all that, Moses, you know, I mean, he, he, he gave bread from heaven. I mean, you, know, you know, so basically they kind of say that. They basically say, well, you used something at somebody's lunch. But, 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 God, you know, Moses, he didn't even need that. Look what Jesus responds to him. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Moses didn't do that. My father did. And now... And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. Now, this is important. The true bread of heaven is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Remember back to John 1, 1 through 4. Okay, now let's keep going. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Today, we're going to look at this concept and this idea of God's word is perfect. God's written word, but also his living word. So you can trust it to feed you. You can trust it to feed you. I don't know about you, but um, there are certain restaurants that I enjoy going to. um, And and one of those, actually, my my son really likes to go to Outback. I'm not a huge fan fan of Outback. Outback but he likes Outback. And do you know why he likes Outback? Because some of you are going to go, I know exactly why he likes Outback. It is not because of steak. It is not because of the blooming onion. I think that's what it's called. Anyway. (laughs) It's because when you come and you sit down at the Outback, they bring you bread. Is it rye bread? I don't know. It's just brown and it's good it is good it's good bread and a lot of times that is kind of like like we'll go to a restaurant just for that bread you know but when we think about it the bread is simply usually just kind of that thing that we get before the meal it, in our culture it's different than in Jesus' time so in our culture, it's kind of like that thing you get before. It's, it's kind of the, the side dish. Like, like, you know, like I don't know about you, but Thanksgiving time comes around and I'm not so focused on the bread. I'm focused on the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the gravy and the sweet potatoes. You know, the role that is there is, is just simply a device to help me eat more gravy. That is what it's there for. But not in Jesus' day. Not to the people he was speaking to. To them, bread was everything it wasn't the appetizer it was the staple of life without bread a lot of people would have died So as Jesus is communicating this, we have got to step out of our 2023 American mindset and understand really what he's saying. He's basically saying, listen, I am what you need. I am what will sustain you. I am literally what will keep you alive. Without me, there will be starvation. Without me, there will be death. Without me, you will miss a major part of your life. So when we read that concept of Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, we have to change our understanding of what that meant at the time. It wasn't just a side dish. It wasn't just something you kind of got at the end of the meal as you walked through the line. It was the main course. And we have to understand that. Because unfortunately for many of us, we look at God's word and we also look at Jesus as kind of that thing that if we have time, we'll, 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 we'll indulge ourselves. If we, if we really feel it. If we're really maybe hungry that day, we'll order that little bit extra. But you know what? The bread is just kind of that side dish. It's it's not the main thing. But Jesus and God's word teaches something completely different. Listen, I want you to get this because it's in your notes and it'll lay the groundwork for where we're going to go. Jesus didn't come to just be our appetizer. He came to be the thing that nourishes us, sustains us, and gives us everything we need. It's more. Listen, if you're looking at Jesus right now and you're going, man, Jesus is a great appetizer, you're missing it. If you look at the Lord and God's word and spending time in God's word as that thing that you do when you have time, you've made it something it never was intended to be. And if you do that, I promise you, your life is going to feel empty and you're going to be hungry. When I look at our world today, you know what I really see? A bunch of hungry people who need something more than what they're trying to feed themselves on. And so Jesus says, listen, when when he said that, when he said, I am the bread of life, that's what he wanted us to see. That is what he wanted us to understand. But just like in John 6, just like in that moment where those people who have been fed physically, now Jesus is switching it and he's turning it and he's moving them to something much more important, something not perishable. Him, they begin to once again make some mistakes. And it's interesting what they bring up. They bring up this concept of manna. Now, if you don't know, manna takes place in the concept when that happens is in the Old Testament. I want to kind of give you a little background of this. So so basically God frees his people from Egypt and the ten plagues and let my people go and all those amazing things. And so they're leaving and 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 basically we see in about Exodus 14 and 15 that God does a miraculous thing. They're trapped. The Israelites are trapped. Pharaoh is coming on one side, the Red Sea's on the other, and God parts the Red Sea, they go through and then as Pharaoh comes and chases them, the water comes back over. I mean, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing sign. It's an amazing, powerful expression. Notice the similarities here that Jesus or that God begins to show his people. And so soon thereafter, we come to Exodus 16, okay? But before we get there, I know I skipped here. I have a question for you because this is very important. And I think this is the question that Jesus, in some ways, was asking the people then, and that he's asking us today. And it's simple. What are you going to put on your plate? I don't know about you. I, I've, I have been to, to potlucks. I have been to cafeterias and all those sort of things. And you kind of walk up or, you know, like, uh, you know, a buffet, you know, and you got your plate. And I don't know if you knew this. I, I know what most of you do. I'm, I'm, I am. My wife calls me a picky, a picky eater. I, I, I prefer the word selective. You know, I'm a very selective eater. And so when we come up, you know, at a buffet, I, I skip by most, like some people, you know, it's like, I'll try some of this and some of this and some of this and some of this and some of this. I, 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 I don't believe in that. Um, <laughs> I just walk up and I get what I like, you know. It's usually meat, potatoes. And, 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 but, but the bottom line is is, is we, we come down and we sit down and, and we get to choose then and we get to choose now what, we, what we're putting on our plate, what we're going to be eating. And, and in that concept, I think we're, God wants to show us some things this morning. So in that, let's go ahead and now let's pick up the story in Exodus. Because again, in John 6, we see the people bring up this idea of manna. So in Exodus 16, we kind of see this take place. So Exodus 16, starting with verses 3 and 4. This is very soon thereafter, after the, the Red Sea parting. It says, the Israelites said to them, this is Moses and Aaron, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. This whole message about the stupidity of human, humanity, it's great, okay. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. So let me give you a real quick recap. Basically, God says, listen, I'm going to rain down this stuff. And and basically, the Bible says it's kind of like coriander seed with like a honey uh, flavoring to it. And basically, every morning, they would go out and they would collect just what they needed. If they collected more, it would go bad. And then on Saturday, they would collect enough for basically, or, or for Friday night, they would go collect enough for the Sabbath as well. So they would collect enough for two days. And they would keep this, and this is what they would eat. They called it manna, which literally translates, What is it? I love that. Okay? But it's bread from heaven. It's what they ate throughout the entire wilderness journey. So, in this concept, they begin to complain. And they complain very specifically. And we need to catch this. They say, We had all this other stuff, pots of meat, when we were in Egypt. Now, remember, when they're in Egypt, they're slaves. They're slaves. But because they are wanting something different to put on their plate, they say, boy, wouldn't it be great if we were back there? And so God responds to this, and he says, I will give you something to eat. And he calls it bread from heaven, and the people call it manna. Now, we're going to continue on in their journey. We're going to go to Numbers 11. Now, in Numbers 11, this is about a year after Exodus 16, okay? So they've been eating manna, they've been traveling in the desert, those sort of things. Now we come to Numbers 11. We're gonna look in Numbers 11, four through six. It says, then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Listen, oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions and garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Now I want you to stop and think about something for a second. Listen to how they're complaining. What are they really saying here? Okay, they're hungry, they're craving something. Okay, when you look at the original Hebrew, that word craving really has this idea of a deep, deep desire for something. Okay, so they're really wanting something here. And they go, they take it an extra step further. They go, oh, oh, they begin to crave the good things of Egypt. And they get, oh, if they had some meat. And they begin to remember, oh, the fish, oh, the cucumbers, oh, the melons, all these things. Oh, and they were for free. They were slaves. Folks, they were slaves in Egypt. Scripture tells us that their slavery was so intense that they cried out. It's, this, it's literally this picture of people being under such oppression that they are whimpering and they are crying out to God to hear them. See us, help us, be a part. They have been out of that for less than a year or right around a year and they're longing to go back to Egypt. For what? Cucumbers. Leeks. Meat. Oh. Oh. Yes, yeah, here's the thing. You're going to feed on something. You are going to feed on something. And let's remember who these people are. These are Israelites. These are God's people here. Okay, if you're going to sit here this morning and go, boy, all those people that aren't in church today, you're missing it. This is about God's people. And they begin to long for something different on their plate. Look, I put it in your notes. The Israelites' desire for something other than what God had provided them was so strong that they longed for slavery instead of freedom. Spiritually speaking, hear me. When you begin to put things on your plate that are not God's word and are not the living word of God, which is Jesus... You have just, whether you realize it or not, you have bound yourself up again. One of the greatest things that Jesus does is he brings us freedom. Who the son sets free is free indeed. The problem becomes when we decide that, you know what? What God has provided through his word or through Jesus isn't satisfying me enough. We go right back to bondage and it holds us there they forget everything else. You're like, I, I always sit there, read that, and go, where was the person who said, do you remember the whips? Do you remember the heat? Do you remember having to make bricks with less straw? And what do you care about? You care about cucumbers. Not what God has done. Not what you have seen Him do. But instead, you look, and you're just like, oh, if I could just have this Instead. I feel like in our churches, in our world today, in Christendom as a whole, we have kind of gotten to this place where it's like, you know what, I don't know if Jesus is quite enough. I don't know if God's word is true. I don't know if it's enough. You know, what we really need is we really need some really slick marketing. Yeah, that'll be good. We'll need some really slick marketing. We'll need some real special lighting. Maybe a smoke machine. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that has those things is saying that Jesus isn't enough. I'm not. Don't misunderstand me here. But I am saying that's a pretty slippery slope at times. And we have to be aware that Jesus is all we need. Remember, he's the bread of life. So let's continue our story. Numbers 11. Now we're going to turn to chapter 11, but look at verse number 18. It says, and, the, they, and say to the people, so basically, let me stop here for a second. Basically, Moses and, and God have a conversation and God goes to Moses and says, listen, I want you to tell the people this. And so he says, and say to the people, purify yourself, for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. You were whining. I, that Boy, that's, that's great. You were whining. And the Lord heard you when you cried, oh, for some meat. But listen, it's a deeper thing here. It's not the meat that's the issue. Listen to what the issue is. We're better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will have it to eat. nineteen, And it won't be for just a day or two, or for five or ten or even twenty. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. For you have rejected, listen, this is important, you have rejected the Lord who is here among you. And you have whined to him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? You've heard me say this before. I always talk about this. We, 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 we want to make sure we don't focus in on the symptoms. We want to focus on the disease. The desire for the meat was not the disease. The disease was the rejection of God and saying basically, God, what you have provided ain't cutting it. I want something more. I want something else. And he says, listen, you want it? I'll give it to you. And he said, it is going to be so much, you are going to be sick of it. Sick of it. Let's continue. Numbers 11, 31 through 34. Now the Lord sent a wind that brought quail from the sea and let them fall around the camp. For miles in every direction, there were quail, I love this, flying about three feet above the ground. It's an unbelievable picture. So the people went out and caught the quail all that day, and throughout the night and the next day too, no one gathered less than 50 bushels. This is a lot of quail. They spread the quail all around the camp to dry, but while they were gorging themselves on the meat... While it was still in their mouth, the anger of the Lord blazed against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. So that place was called Kilbroth Havara, which means graves of gluttony because there they buried the people who had craved meat from Egypt. Whoa. Now picture this with me, okay? The people get up. And about three feet off the ground, I I, I just, I'm sorry, I just, this picture just makes me laugh. About three feet off the ground, these quail are flying. Now, I don't know if they caught them or they just took a stick and went boink. But anyway, they get a bunch of this stuff. They're getting it all. They're gathering it up. It's mine. Look how much I have. Now, what are they thinking? Now, I'll be full. Now, I'll have what I need. Look at all the meat. And while the meat was still in their teeth, I love the visual we get here. God sends a plague, and a lot of them die. It's such an interesting story. In some ways, it's such a strange story. But at the same time, it's a very important story. They're complaining because what was provided, what God gave them to sustain them, through literally years of traveling in the wilderness, ended up, because they rejected it, what they took on actually began to kill them. Listen, I put this in your notes. I could keep hounding on this point, but this is the best way i found to put it. When we try to find life from anything other than the bread of life, it will ultimately lead to disappointment, disaster, and death. One of the things that breaks my heart so much about what I see in a lot of Christendom in our world today, and here's the deal, I'm a part of this too, by the way, is we begin to crave things that are never going to satisfy us. Can I give you a perfect example? Not one from you, but from me, because I think that's fair. You know how easy it is for me at times to begin to focus on things That are never gonna fulfill me as a person. And I'm thinking, boy, if I can just, just get this, you know, Jesus, you're great, you know, but, you know, can I just kind of keep you as an appetizer? Because if I could just get this, then man, man, everything's gonna come together. I remember, and some of you know this, some of you didn't, or don't. Um, when I started in the ministry as a youth pastor, I was single. And, and I desperately wanted a wife. And I, I, I spiritualized it so well. Man, I'm super good at that, like most of us are. It's like, you know, God, if, if you just brought me a wife, you know what I mean? That would be like, I, if I helped me and my partner, and man, my ministry would be just so much more better. And so much more better. It would be so much awesomer. And I, that's still not right. It doesn't matter. It'd be so great. And you know like, like she can help with the girls because girls are girls and I'm not and they're hard and she can minister to them. Oh god, wouldn't you just send me a wife? You know what I found in a moment where God spoke to my heart and loved me enough to discipline me. He said, "Aaron, you're making a wife your god. You're making that desire what feeds you, and I promise you it'll never suffice." And my wife is amazing. You know her. She's incredible. But she's not my bread. She was never designed to be my bread. My Jesus is my bread. But when we mess that up, everything will happen. And I'll tell you right now, I will will, will bet my house, there are people in this building and online right now, That because you have tried to feed on things that will never satisfy you, you are dealing with disappointment, disaster, and eventually it will lead to death. It will. Why? Because when you try to put things or people in God's place, you're asking them to do something they were never created to do, and it will always, always end in failure and disappointment and death. might be the death of a relationship might be the death of an idea or a dream or a desire. Whatever it is, it will not be what God wants it to be in your heart and your life. And when we do that, hear me, when we do that, the good things that God wants to bring in conjunction with Jesus actually begin to be the things that kill us even when they're in our mouth. it's got to be him it's so interesting the people that speak to jesus about this manna knew the stories they knew them very very well they knew the desire for something different ultimately brought forth death even knowing that they look at jesus and say you Are great, Jesus, but I don't think you're quite enough. Jesus is enough. God's Word is enough. Look how Jesus kind of wraps all this up for us. Let's go back now to John 6. Let's go back and look at what Jesus says. John 6 47 through 51. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. He says it again. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. They all died. Now, you would go, isn't that pretty obvious? Yeah, it is. But remember, those ones didn't make it to the promised land. They all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I offer, so the world may live, is my flesh. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying, you know what, eventually what will happen with this bread is it'll end up on a cross. He said, I'm going to not only, I mean, here's the thing, you think of it this way, you could be starving, and I could have, you know, think of whatever bread you like the best, you know, like some homemade rolls, or maybe like a fresh loaf of French bread, or, or whatever. You have it out. It will do you no good if it is not consumed. If it is not basically used for the purpose that it was created, and that is to feed. Jesus understood it wasn't just about him coming. It was about him dying and raising for you and for me. So he calls himself the bread of life. He hearkens back again saying, listen, If you eat manna, if that's what you focus in on, meaning something other than the bread of life, it will eventually lead to death. But if you will focus on me, it will bring life and eternal life. So as we kind of close this message and this series, I just literally have one question for you one question that I believe that we need to all answer and all be honest with the fact that we all struggle in this area. And it's a simple one. Knowing all these things, what have you allowed to become your savior substitute? What have you said? You know, maybe, maybe it isn't meat, maybe it isn't quail, maybe it isn't cucumbers, but it's, it's like me. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a new home or a new car, or oh, maybe it's that your kid is the star football player or the, the star student. You see, we all need a savior. And I believe that God has imprinted in us in our creation that understanding. You say, Aaron, how do you, why do you say that? How do you know that? simple. Because every person I have ever met, every single one, has either found a Savior or is looking for one. Now, do they say it like that? Nope, they don't. But I look around our world today, and there are plenty of Saviors out there. Little s. But there is only one Savior with a capital S. There's only one who said, I can feed you. I can sustain you. I can nourish you. I can do all those things. But the bottom line is this. When we try to have that savior substitute in our lives that is not God's son and not his word, it will always lead to disappointment, disaster, and death every time. I have experienced it in my own life. I know that if I brought many of you up here this morning, you would say the same. We need Jesus. We need the understanding of that we must have in our lives the living word of God and the written word of God. It is what sustains us. It is what nurtures us. It is what keeps us fed, healthy, and well. For some of us, we try other things, and it's just not the same. I don't drink a lot of soda. I grew up, you know, and drank more then, but, but as I got older, I just didn't drink as much. But I remember this happened a couple years ago. And, and when I was a kid, I, I didn't understand how it used to be. But, you know, you go and you get a, a Dr. Pepper or Coke or whatever, and I was young, so, you know, you just down those like, you know, nothing, and, you know. And I remember the first time I went to the grocery store, and I saw it was Pepsi. I believe it was the first one that did it, and it said Pepsi, with real cane sugar. That confused me. I was like, like, like I've I've heard about I've I've heard about these sodas. They're, they're they got a lot of sugar in them. What what's in this thing? And I remember asking, i like, what what does this mean? What, oh well, you know, decades ago they started using, I think, corn syrup or something. I don't know. They used something else. And it wasn't sugar. In fact, it was a sugar substitute. And that's all I ever knew. I didn't know that it was, like, made with real cane sugar at some point in time. Now, some of you were like, well, yeah, dummy. But I didn't know that. I was an 80s kid, you know. I mean, we just drank what was given to us. I didn't know. And I remember... The first time I had a real cane sugar Pepsi. I remember doing that when I had, you know, when I was living in Albuquerque, I, I was dating Emily. And I didn't really like Coke very much, like Coca-Cola. It's like, eh, I didn't like it. And they had, they, they were literally called, I don't know if this is right, this is what they were called, sorry, but they were called Mexican Cokes. And I didn't, I was like, they were in a bottle. And other than that, I was like, well, that's cool. They're in a bottle. So what? And I remember my father-in-law, he was, he was not my father-in-law at the time. He said, you, you want a Coke? i like, I don't really like Cokes, you know. They kind of burned my back of my throat. I didn't like it. He said, try this one. I didn't know there was a difference. I said, well, what's different about it? He goes, well, this one has the real stuff in it. I didn't know what he was talking about. Found out later it's the real sugar. I opened it up. I drank it. I was like... I totally understand why half the world likes this stuff now. It was so good. Can I be honest with this? There's a lot of us that have been completely cool with our savior substitute. There are some of us who have literally no idea What the real stuff really is. And there's unfortunately some of us who have forgotten because we've let other things, you know, it's fine. It's fine. No, it's not. No, it's not. Jesus has something so much better. Stop using substitutes in your spiritual life, in your spiritual walk. And when you begin to eat the true bread, it will literally change everything. In your heart, and in your life, in your relationships, your families, everything. Why? Simple. Because that's why he came. To bring life. And life to the full. But there's only one thing that will do that, and it's him. Can we do this? Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? Let's just, just so we can focus. I have a, a, a real simple question. We brought it up before, but what have you allowed to be your savior substitute? What have you allowed in your heart, in your life to kind of take the place of Jesus and his word? For some of you, let, 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 you know, you've kind of, you know, you, you, you're doing okay with Jesus, but with God's word, you've allowed the news or your own opinion, or the opinion of the culture to be your savior substitute. You've allowed that to substitute for God's word. And when those things come into conflict, you don't rely on the perfect word of God. You rely, rely on things that aren't. And you're finding yourself disillusioned, Hopelessness has set in. You feel like depression is kind of... All those things come. Why? Because you're putting your faith and your hope. You're putting your nutritional, spiritual growth in something that's basically like junk food. It will never be enough. And in fact, all it'll do is destroy you in the long run. For some of you you know it's Jesus you you have you have allowed other things to come and you know that relationship that that car that 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 f- making sure there's enough money in the 401k whatever it might be and i'm promising you this you go after that stuff and you're you're more than welcome to god let you do that but when you get it you're going to feel just as empty as you did before sometimes even worse because you had such hope in something that didn't deserve your hope. And here's the deal, and I could go on and on. I don't think I need to, but here's the deal. I think at times we all put something else there. We all crave something different instead of what we truly need. And so if that's you this morning, maybe, maybe you go, you know, Aaron, I I really don't know what it is to, you know, there's, there's, there's real sugar. There's, there's real Jesus. There's something that will sustain. There's, I mean, there's something that I can take and, and and will continue to feed me and nourish me. And, you know, it's interesting that in John four, Jesus talks about with the woman at the well, he says, if you're thirsty, I can give you something to drink and you'll never thirst again. And then in John 6, he talks about it being the bread, and and you'll never be hungry again. But those things aren't found in in our physical world. They're only found in Jesus. Jesus was using the idea of bread and water as a metaphor to help us understand how much we truly just need him. doesn't mean your life will be perfect. doesn't mean that everything that's going wrong is all of a sudden magically going to be okay. What it does mean is that you have been transformed from death into life and that you have a friend that will stick closer than a brother and walk with you through every season and every situation and produce unbelievable things in your heart and in your life. He will be what fulfills you. He will be what sustains you. He will be what nourishes you. And in that moment, things that were dead will become alive again. For others of us, we've experienced the real thing. (laughs) But like the Israelites, we've started to crave other things of this world. And we need to understand and know that'll never suffice. But we have a loving God who welcomes us back and says, come on, come back to the table. Clear off that plate that's got all the other stuff on it and instead put my word and my son and feast and know that that will fulfill everything in your heart and life. So no matter where you're at this morning, whether it's you need to ask Jesus for the first time to come be your bread of life or you need to ask Jesus to once again clear your plate so that you can once again put the living word and the written word on your plate. God can do either and wants to do both. So no matter where you're at this morning, no matter what you're experiencing, God can do it. God wants to do it. He wants you come and acknowledge that. And when you do, he will become that Savior that you need. So Father, we come to you right now. And Father, as I pray, God, I ask that each one that's here would just begin to call out and begin to pray as well for their need, whether it be for that Savior in the first time or or once again for the clearing of the plate. That, God, we would call out to you. And, God, wherever we're at, wherever we are at as individuals on our journey with you, that, God, that you would come and meet us in that place. God, if there's some in this room or online that have never accepted you, that don't know what it is to truly have you as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that they would call out to you. They would say, Father, I believe that you sent your son Jesus, that he's your son, that he died for me, that he rose on the third day, that I need forgiveness, and that I need him to become my Savior. I need him to become that bread of life for me. And God, for others that maybe have done that in the past, but so easy at times, God, to put other things on our plate. God, I pray that you would clear those plates and put on our plate, Jesus. He's who we need. He's who will sustain and nourish and feed us. Him. And he loves to use his word to also make that a reality. Help us. Thank you, God, for those that for the first time have let you become their source and for those that once again have cleared their plates to allow you to have the first place in their hearts and their lives. Help us, Father. We love you and we thank you. You're so good and we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Awesome. So listen. As we begin this series real early on, the whole hope, the plan, the, the desire was that you would have a deeper hunger for God's Word. It's almost like I planned it where the last week had to do with bread and hunger. And I pray and hope that this has just begun, that the Holy Spirit has just begun to work in your hearts for a deeper hunger for Jesus and for His Word. All right? All right? Awesome. So, Father, again, we love you and we thank you. We ask now that you just be with us. You're so good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. For those that are online, hey, we love you. We miss you. I know there's some of you that are home that aren't feeling well. We're just praying for your complete healing and hope you have a great week. For those that are here, remember, we have our work day on Saturday, this coming Saturday. Our Sunday night community group is meeting tonight. The Saturday group that was supposed to meet last night is meeting next Saturday. Make sure you're aware of that. And also next Sunday's Jason's Deli. Hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.